Hello and welcome to a Tuesday episode of the State of the Nova Nation. It's hot. It's popping. I'm feeling pretty good. I'm Eugene Repay. He's Chris Stanziel. Chris, it was rocking on Saturday. You missed it, man. It was so awesome in there. It was possibly the best game environment since 2013 Syracuse. It was so sick. I know, and I, I got a lot of FOMO, I guess. Is that, that, that fear of missing out? That's the thing, right? Yeah, yeah that's I, it. That's I, it. That's the one. That's it. Okay. All right. Just, I'm trying to keep up with the times here. Yeah, that was uh, – it looked like a real fun game, and I'm sad I missed it. Uh, I was invited at the last second, but it just wasn't feasible at the time. Um, especially with uh, – it was just one of those things where it was just like, yeah, you should come, but it was like, well – we could have made this happen a while ago, but anyway, uh, yeah, I'm just sad I missed it. And actually sitting, well, I wasn't, I actually didn't end up watching. I listened to the entire game though. But, uh, when I was listening to it, I told my brother, I was like, you know, we really actually could have gone. <laughs> and the fact that we could have gone really upset me, but Hey, we got the dub and that's all that freaking matters. And who knows, maybe there's a timeline where if I go, it, it's a whole butterfly effect and, you know, maybe Dotson shot at the end goes in because, I don't know, something happened. Or maybe they hit the over because I know you took the over. But, <laughs> of course, of course, the, the law of gambling, all the rules of physics that's around it, it's always the opposite of whatever you want. Yes, exactly. What, what the, I'd say about, what, 90% of the show on Thursday was devoted to talking about how much each team is going to score. And then we proceeded to drop a combined 46 points in the first half. The over under was set at 146 and a half. And I didn't think we were going to hit that and uh, come the second half the way uh, the defensive effort was showing, but Hey, I'll take a loss in the gambling. And if it means Villanova wins, and if it means that Villanova's defense might just look like it's turning the corner. You're right. You're right. At the end of the day, what matters is that Villanova won. It was a great game for everyone who was able to attend. Over 20,000 people showed up, packed the Wells Fargo Center. It was live. It was rocking. It really reminded me that when there's a great game, there's a big ticket in town. When that place gets going, it gets going. It was such an awesome environment. I was really happy to be there. I think we haven't had that feeling in quite some time, probably since the last Syracuse game that was at the Wells Fargo Center, but I don't think that there was one that was just as nuts as that in over the last three or four years. So it's been a, it's been a little bit. It's been about five years since we had like a really big opponent. You remember that Syracuse game when Nova somehow miraculously scored like eight points in like six seconds, mm-hmm. and then uh, JVP's block to seal it. Oh, that was that was another good one too. But there hasn't been anything like that since. I'd contest the Virginia game from a couple years ago from the 16-17 season. I was actually in attendance for that, so, I mean. Actually, you're right. You're right. Actually, uh, so I didn't say that game because I wasn't there. So there I was being an idiot and not including (laughs) it. So I guess now that's even, Chris. We're even. You were there at that game. I was there for the Kansas game, so it all worked out. Yeah. But I, I'd say, though, we haven't had a type of this type of game where Villanova is an underdog against a highly ranked opponent in quite some time in an environment like this. So it's nice to be on the underdog end because, you know, Villanova has been a favorite for so long. Not that being a favorite is a bad thing, but it's cool to get that other side of the equation again that yeah. we experienced so much like our freshman year. Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. There was no court storming, which I'll be honest, I – I didn't think there was going to be, like, the reporter next to me was like, oh, do you think they're going to storm the court? Like, that would be pretty cool. I'm sitting there thinking, uh, no. It's a top 25 opponent. I don't care if it's the number one team in town. But when both teams are ranked, there should be no court storming of any kind. No court storming of any kind. I agree. I was glad that we uh, were a little smart there on the fan base end of things. You can credit that, but I can tell you firsthand, the Wells Fargo security, they were not playing games. They had rows of security people. I know that they cut off the student section. They said no one's no one's going on the court. And then on the opposite side, where there were some students, it was mostly just fans. I saw fans trying to, like, pile up towards the end of the court near the buzzer. And mm-hmm. security was just like, no, it's, no, this is not happening today. The, the Sixers are playing <laughs> later. We're not dealing with this again. I remember the Georgetown game also in that 2012-2013 year. They stopped the students from storming the court. I don't think it would have been as crazy as that Syracuse storming, but I'm glad that no one 
no one got on the court. We did not need that. We did not need a court storming, but we needed a nice big celebration because what it went for the Cats, holding on, holding off the Kansas Jayhawks, 56 to 55. As much as we talked about this game leading into it on Thursday's show, on Tuesday's show, you could have honestly thrown that whole week's worth of recording probably almost out the window. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know what happened. I don't know what changed overnight. I don't know if they ate their Wheaties that morning. But the defense was the real show here. Nova just put it together for all 40 minutes, I would say. Sure, of course, you know, there's going to be some lapses here and there. But I thought the physicality, the defensive effort, the way that everyone was able to lock down, not let any of these Jayhawks get out of control. The man-to-man coverage was great. They didn't overhelp on defense. And I thought that was the biggest key in all of this for sure and I I mean as I mentioned before I was able to listen to the game I wasn't able to watch so I couldn't really see like the defensive effort other than a few highlight packs that I was able to catch so I'll leave the more of the defensive analysis to you but I'll I'll take your word for it and from what I saw it looks it just looked fantastic everything was like highly contested outside of a couple shots it just the rotations were great no one was really missing any assignments from what it seemed like so uh, real big props to Jay Wright and his staff for having this team ready to play on the defensive side of the ball because, like you said, when we talked ad nauseum about the defensive effort being a problem, especially in the previous few games, and then we thought against Kansas as a, being such a high offensive team, it would be even more of a problem. But you look at it, and three-point range, Kansas was bad. I mean, from the field, they shot pretty – they shot okay, but, like, they were able to lock down three-point line. And even then, I think the perfect personification of the defense was at the end with Sadiq Bey guarding Dotson, not allowing an easy shot whatsoever. A little side note with that, I watched an ESPN highlight recap of Villanova-Kansas game. One of the ESPN analysts who was doing the highlights of the game wanted a call at the end. They're like, oh, whoa, wow, I'm surprised they didn't get a call there at the end. I don't know if that was being sarcastic because Kansas gets calls or something, but it's just typical ESPN crap. But overall, defense was fantastic. Yeah, I just love the way that they were able to stay in front of a quick guy like Dotson. Dotson, while he did have a team-high 15 points for the Jayhawks, he did only shoot an inefficient 5 of 15 on the floor. But no stop was bigger than, like you said, the one by Sadiq Bey at the end to hang on. Nova, they were down by four. They gave up that and one with just over a minute to go. And there was a mood kind of starting to shift there like, oh, no. Well, it was a good game. It was a good fight. But it looks like Kansas might pull away with this. But then a missed free throw, a clutch defensive stand by Gillespie getting that stealing score to cut it down to two. Then you had a big-time three from big game Jermaine to give Villanova a one-point lead. Of course, they had to play defense, but an ill-advised foul. Dotson going to the line. I thought that this was going to be trouble. He ended up missing the front end of the one-and-one. Nova gets the rebound. They have to inbounds the play. And Chris, after three (laughs) (laughs) nail-biting plays on the fourth one, They cough it up, but it didn't matter because Bay was able to stand tall at the end. It wasn't just against Dotson, but against the big man, Yudoka Azubuki, down low. I I just love the way that Nova was not scared of him. They're being physical with him. Unless if he had a guy one-on-one, he was going to finish, but they were throwing double teams at him, trying to deny entry passes, playing him tough down low. Jeremiah Robinson Earl, Cole Swider throwing in some post-defense. I was just really impressed with the defensive effort. And other than that, no one else was really able to get going. Azbuki with 12 points, Agbaji with 11 points. And then on the Nova end, Jermaine Samuels led the way with 15 points. Of course, he hit that big go-ahead three. Colin Gillespie, cold first half, big second half, especially in the closing minutes. Killing that inner loss, Archie Diakono blood. He had 12 points. And then Jeremiah Robinson Earl, he also chipped in nine points, nine boards. It was just a dogfight. No one was really able to get into a groove, especially Nova. You, you look at how many threes they took, took 41. We had that guy ask us if they take less than 20, mm-hmm. can they win the game? We ended up taking more than double that. Yeah, yeah double that. <laughs> and even though the threes weren't falling, they came at the right moments, obviously, with Jermaine Samuels. But also, I thought that they could have cashed in way more. They had so many good looks. And For there sure. are going to be people who are going to complain about the shooting percentage. But honestly, the looks, they were real good. They just couldn't knock them down. For sure. And I want to hit on a couple of things you mentioned. So we're first with the three-point shooting. Um, we 
Chris Lane and I both kind of mentioned that we thought Cole Swire was going to be like the main contributor to the whole three-point shooting thing. He only took two threes. So the three-point shooting was spread around a lot with Colin taking the most, the 10, and Justin Moore coming off the bench with nine uh, three-point attempts. Uh, as you mentioned, the percentage for everyone pretty much was not the best. But like you said, it, it came at the most important times. And I want to say Villanova only got to the line twice, and they made both both of them. And if there was one nitpick of this entire game, it's the fact that Villanova get, didn't get to the, the line enough. But again, that's very trivial in this whole grand scheme of things. But Kansas missing those two huge free throws at the end, and it was part of that four-play sequence where Braun makes the and one, misses the ensuing free throw, which honestly, if I believe if he hits that, I don't think Villanova comes back. Something would have changed. The whole outlook of the game changes if he hits that free throw. I feel like the whole possessions change, and I don't think Villanova is able to get that steal from Gillespie and then hit the three with Samuels later on. So between that missed free throw, the Dodson missed free throw, as you mentioned when they were down one, plus the Colin Gillespie steal, who was awful, the entire game. He was horrible the entire game. He has that huge steal, which changed the, the entire outcome and gave Villanova all the momentum back when they were down four. I believe it was, I believe it was 55-51 or 55-50. It was right after the Braun missed free throw. So for him to do that and then to hit a three down the court right around that same time was huge. I know he, like I said, he only went two of 10 from three, but he hit some clutch threes at the end. So props to him for at least sticking with it. And I know he airballed. There was like two airball threes he had, which was just bad. So he was really having a bad day, but he was able to finish strong and that's all that matters to me, especially in a tightly contested game like this. And Jermaine Samuels, a guy who we completely forgot about when we were talking about in the preview show. And I knew it uh, once we finished recording the other day that we didn't even mention big game Jermaine. And the fact that he hit most threes out of anyone with three on eight attempts, two of which were late. And, and obviously the one, the most important one at the end, just a fantastic job by Jermaine Samuels. He also had that drive to the basket to give Villanova all the momentum back too. That was just fantastic. Like he was just, he just shows up in the biggest games. And it's funny because you look at his stat line, he had 15 points, six to 12 from the field, three of eight from three, but it, it didn't even feel like that. I felt like there was like JRE was like more involved, Gillespie obviously, even though he wasn't having the best game, Justin Moore, who also kind of had a sloppy game but I feel like they were more involved in Samuels. But then you look up at the scoreboard and Samuels is leading the way. So props to him for showing up big time. And big game Jermaine, the legend of big game Jermaine lives on. Yeah, another highlight to add to his reel that's continuing to just expand. Three-point shots, you know, I thought Nova was getting great looks. The ball movement was excellent. I was surprised. I was honestly shocked. We were talking about how there's no way Bill Self is going to let Nova just take off from deep, take off from long range. If they hit a couple more threes, they definitely could have. But the whole day, guys were just open on the wing. They're doubling somewhere, finding the open man, trading a good shot for a better shot. And it just wouldn't fall in. It could have been a totally different story had they dropped, had they fallen, had Nova shot a higher percentage. But it was just very encouraging to see, you know, with this young team, defense has not been their strongest suit so far leading into Saturday. But even when the shots weren't falling, even when they're shooting a subpar 34.9% overall, an ugly 24.4% from deep, they were able to stand tall on the defensive end, make the big plays when it mattered. And this is just huge, huge moving forward. They really needed this one. And just to see them go out there, gut it out against Kansas at home, pulling off the upset. They were clearly playing off the crowd. And you could tell it. The crowd was loving it. And honestly, just a great win for the Cats. There's really nothing. Like, I honestly went home, and I think I, I rewatched the game twice before I went out. And then I watched a, a bunch of highlight reels and videos on YouTube on Monday just afterwards. I've just been so amped on this win, and I think we're going to get pretty much a whole week to celebrate it. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, a long cool-down period yet again. But, uh, yeah, obviously, this is going to be the – probably going to end up being the biggest win in the year unless one of the Big East teams really takes off here and works their way through the ranks. But this is by far the biggest win of the year. And if they didn't win, as you mentioned, the, the biggest non-con win would have been what? Mississippi State. And like, I don't like come March, this, that's not going to look great. So the fact that you got this on the resume is incredibly huge. And the two losses so far to an Ohio State team, which right now is number two in the polls. And yeah, they didn't really stand the chance in that game. They got absolutely whipped, but that's okay. Like that was the first road game we've, 
discussed that already. And the other loss is against Baylor, who's now in the top ten, and I believe they're number seven right now. If I believe. Let me look. Just seven, yeah, seven. They are number seven. Yes, yes. they are number seven. So yeah, that, like, so your two losses are to two top ten teams, and now you're in the, yourself the top ten. So come March, as long as we hold serve in the Big East like Villanova usually does, we're going to be looking good. <laughs> we're going to be looking real good. And wasn't expecting that in the beginning of the year. I know if like we go through our preseason predictions, it kind of ends up the same way. But the fact that they were able to pull this out after the way they've been looking is just incredible. I think the coaching staff deserves a lot of credit. The players deserve a lot of credit. Like just the just a huge turnaround and again in a game that they won in a way that you wouldn't expect this team to win. This is like reminiscent of the teams of the past where if they weren't shooting well, at least they could lock it down on the defensive end. And you know what? Sometimes they wouldn't. But sometimes they would and but this team I'd never thought in a million years if they were to shoot what was it 34 percent 35 percent from the field and 24 percent from three that they would end up beating the number one team in the nation so props to them props to the coaching staff and then just let's regroup and let's get ready for conference play and run rampant through that yeah all credit to the game plan and for the players for executing it because they clearly had a good one out there I thought defensively I don't know what happened I don't know where that team was for like the last 10 or so games the ones who they're getting cooked on D getting beat one-on-one losing guys on switches it was superb execution on the defensive end and when I watched the game over twice afterwards I still couldn't believe how crisp and how clean it was on that end of the court very physical very active and also, I think another thing that helped is Villanova didn't gift too many possessions to Kansas. They only had nine turnovers, three in the second half. Excellent care of the ball. The shots weren't falling, but they never got down on themselves. They just put their hats on, went to work on defense, got the job done. It was unfortunate that Kansas lost Marcus Garrett along the way. He got hurt in the first half and didn't return to the game. Who knows how that would have impacted things? We don't know. There is we an alternate know. reality. There is no we way. do know. There is no way. And yeah. It's just, hey, it is what it is. Whatever happened, happened. And what happened was Villanova won by one. And that's all that matters. Yes. Yeah. We are no injury. It's not like it was Dotson. Like, if it was Dotson, then, like, oh, maybe yeah, there's, yes. like, a little <laughs> bit of an asterisk on it. Injury or no injury, I still think Villanova wins the way that the defense was going. So Yeah, they were hanging there the whole time. Once Nova got settled in, you knew it was good. I, I thought that there was going to be a point where they turn it on. And I know we joked on previous episodes, like, oh, this team isn't really a second-half team anymore. What's going to happen? And I thought, you know, they were getting the optimal looks that they would just pour it on in the second half and everything would just start clicking. It didn't happen, but I'll trade that for a hard-nosed defensive effort. That's the best we've seen all season. Haven't seen anything like that yet. I hope that this is a huge turning point moving forward. I think it will be. And once we start Biggie's play next week, we'll see how it goes to begin things with the Xavier Musketeers. But right now, huge win. We'll get a whole week to celebrate it. Nice win before going into the holidays. One thing that I want to know, Chris, before we put this game to rest, is why in the world does Jay Wright only have three inbounding plays? Is he joking? Is he serious? <laughs> if he isn't joking, I will say it would explain a lot over the last decade. Last decade, yeah. It, try 15 years. Um, <laughs> yeah, I – when you told me that, I'm like, that, that's got to be a joke. There's no way they ran, run three inbounds plays. <laughs> I used to coach middle school basketball, like just assistant coach, just to rack up the community hour, uh, community service hours I had to fulfill. And we ran more than three inbounds plays. And our team was not the best. I, I would think that a Division One top-end Division One program would run more than three inbounds plays. But, uh, yeah, like you said, it would explain a lot because this team has never been able to inbound the ball. Ever. They sold their soul one time for the, uh, the Scotty Reynolds play in the Elite Eight against Pitt. But other than that, uh, even even in, in that game, the, like, when was it, like two possessions before? The possession before they almost threw it out of bounds and that led to Pitt shooting free throws. But, yeah, it would explain a lot because the inbounding has always been bad. So I really hope that was a joke. <laughs> we'll never know. We'll never know. But according to Jay, for those who missed it, he said this after the game. Jay, what, what were the wrinkles when you had to get the ball inbound three per time because of the foul? <laughs> Obviously not great, right? Not, <clears throat> we kind of ran out of we ran out of our plays. Honestly, like we ran, we have I think three. We have three different base um, press offenses. We ran all three and got it in. But then 
for the fourth time we went back to the first one and they just they were on it they were on it you know well scouted great coach and then we were just and we didn't have a timeout so all he could do was just throw it in and and um that's our last option to throw it over the top but it's not a great one you just probably credit them credit them the most i don't think i i don't think i've ever been in that situation where we've run out all of our plays and come back to that in, in all of my now i'm thinking about it i've never been in that situation and then you had Dana O'Neill afterwards joking like, oh, you're going to add a fourth. And then Jay was like, oh, we still need to work on these three first. Oh, boy. Looks like time coming anytime soon. <laughs> I think I think that response right there, I think that. Uh, that was enough. No, that was definitely a joke. It was it was a good right. joke. It was it was all yeah, in good taste. It was, good. it was all in good taste. It was good. It was. I know you want to kind of move on here, but I, I just want to ask you two, two quick things. Yeah, One, sure. what did you think of the throwback jerseys? You know, at, at first, I didn't like them, man. At first, I was like, what am I looking at here? But then – they wanted it, so now it's like no, you it's as many times you want. You, you wear them practice, wear them go to sleep, you wear them to go to camp, go Conley, Sunday, <laughs> whatever. I like well, the powder was, blues better. I know you didn't like the powder no, blues, but I like the no, like that's no, nah, that's where you lose me. They, these were significantly better than the powder blues. They were nice, clean, crisp. I like the gold. Should have wore those a whole gold trim like after winning the championship. I thought that would have been cool. I know like baseball teams do that after they win. Uh, World Series, they went, they wear for like a few games, but yeah, I, I like those third pack jerseys a lot. So props to them. And then two is Jay Wright, Bill Self's daddy. <laughs> it's a, it might say so on Wikipedia. I don't know if the Wikipedia <laughs> gods and editors got to it yet, but I'm pretty sure on Wikipedia it it definitely says that he was. Yeah. So yes. Because yeah. uh, what every pretty much since the turn of the this decade. This decade, he's lost to him once. I'm pretty sure that's it. And that was the uh, game last year. And I was only by three points in a game that I we both thought that Villanova was going to get waxed. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, of and course, self- like, with the dominant win in the Final Four and mm-hmm. then the 2016 Elite Eight victory, so good. So good. Battle for Atlantis a few years before that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's been This decade has been dominated by uh, – Villanova compared to Kansas. I know Self got the the one in 08 in the Sweet 16, but that was a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. So glad Jay Wright's been able to own Self the past few years because uh, these wins over Kansas have certainly put Villanova back on the map for sure. Yeah, definitely boosted Nova to the top 10. Beat them for the first time at the Wells Fargo Center since 2005 and their first visit ever since that infamous game that everyone knows or will credit as a turning point in Nova history and for Jay Wright's career on the main line. Huge win for the Cats. I don't think it could be stated enough. I, I'm still feeling the yeah, buzz. I'm still feeling the buzz like three days later. Yeah, still riding that high. And the pollsters seem to be riding that high too. Oh, to yeah. 10. Nova's back in the top 10, taking the number 10 spot. Just looking at the rest of the polls, a lot of movement, a lot of movement from this past weekend. We, for the sixth time before Christmas, that hasn't been done before, according to Adam Zagoria. But there is a new number one team for the sixth time. And it is now the Gonzaga Bulldogs, followed by the Ohio State Buckeyes, Louisville at number three, Duke at four, Kansas dropped to five. And then rounding out your top ten, you got Oregon, Baylor, Auburn, Memphis, and then Nova. Yeah, up eight spots from 18, and the win like this certainly deserves a, a jump, regardless of what everybody else does. Uh, just looking around the rest of it, though, Big East-wise, Butler's at 12. They're up five spots, so they had a good week. That's it for Big East teams. Xavier's receiving votes with 68. Paul's at 54. They're getting closer and closer, man. Iowa is at 25 with 125 votes, so Paul's almost halfway there. Marquette's receiving votes. Georgetown's receiving votes. Creighton's receiving votes. St. John's is receiving votes. Seton Hall's receiving votes. So pretty much if you're in the Big East, you're at least receiving votes somehow, some way. Seton Hall had a good week, I would say. They ended up beating Maryland, which is a big win for them, especially coming off that horrific loss to Rutgers. And as a result, Maryland dropped six spots to 13. Kentucky, probably the biggest loser of the week, definitely the biggest loser of the week. They dropped 13 spots to 19 after losses to Ohio State. And I forget who else it was. Oh, it was Utah. So not a great week for the other form of the Wildcats. Uh, but yeah, in terms of polls, I think that's pretty much it. I don't know if you have anything else to add. Just want to say that Saturday was a huge day for the Big East. The rest of the conference went undefeated that day. We had that huge win to start off that Saturday lineup. 
And then a huge win by St. John's upsetting Arizona on the road to close things out. So just a huge day. And also in the Big 12 Big East Challenge. Look, looking like, uh, you know, all that all that smack talk about the Big East being a mid-major. <laughs> looking, looking pretty good. Looking better than the Big 12. <laughs> Hey, well, according to Doug Gottlieb, if Villanova was in the Big 12, they wouldn't stand the chance. So, love that narrative. Props to the Big East for showing up this week. And because, you know, the, the, we've always said, like, big, when it comes to the big games, it seems like the Big East always seems to falter. But at least for one week, we can say that the Big East rules uh, supreme. Yeah. And it will make for a very fun and interesting conference play, which, who knows? The forecast and the landscape. Like, I still think Nova's going to finish top. I'm still more than confident of that until proven otherwise. But that 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, I don't know anymore. I don't know anymore. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we say that every year now. I feel like ever since Jalen left, <laughs> ever since, <laughs> it's just like, all right. I mean, obviously, there's only one season of that so far. But last year, we were completely left in the dark about how everything was going to go. And then this year, I feel like we're even more left in the dark about everything. It just, there's just no clear-cut upper echelon teams anymore. anymore. Everyone's just so closely knit together, which is great for parity, obviously. But is it good for uh, March? We, we will see. It's only been one season, so small sample size, and results prove back no. But uh, we'll see if uh, everyone beating up on each other uh, proves to be good for everyone in the long term. Yeah, I have no idea who, where everyone else is going to finish. Who knows now? Maybe St. John's is going to like finish top three now, and they were they were predicted to just be awful. They're so looking good too. Yeah, yeah. A lot of the teams that were predicted to be bad are looking real good. Yeah, Butler's twelve. weren't they picked eighth? They were. Yeah. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. So who knows anymore? But at least we got it started soon, and it comes on New Year's Eve Eve. Yeah, yeah. So we're not going to have an episode on Thursday. We're going to enjoy this little holiday break that we have here. But we couldn't leave you hanging without previewing the Xavier game because that game obviously won't be until Monday night or next Monday night, rather, December 30th. So we want to talk about this first game. Biggie's play is finally here. We're going to get a quality opponent to start. Yeah, Xavier might be out of the top 25, but this is by no means a slouch team. This is not a team that's fallen off after a hot start. This is a team that even in losses look pretty good. They lost to Florida by five, and then their only other loss is against Wake Forest, which they lost on the road by just two points. So they've been there. They've been in every game. Maybe a, a couple bounces go their way, and they're still sitting undefeated and still in the top 25. Ken Palm still seems to really love them very much, a top 30 team according to his rankings. They're very balanced offensively. Defensively, it's looking like another tough, stalwart musketeer squad that we've seen, especially last year. No more Hanky McSpanky, but Chris, who do we got? Who, who's in the house? <laughs> oh, I forgot about Hanky Poo. That's a shame he's gone. Did you forget really about the blue blob? You didn't forget about the blue blob. I did not forget about the blue blob ever yeah, since our little discussion about him. We will, I will never forget. I was about to say, if you did, I was going to call Sackman to take your space. <laughs> That's the best mascot in college basketball. That's my homie. Uh, if anyone wants to fight me about it, you know where to find me on Twitter. <laughs> Yeah, please don't send Sackman after me. I don't want to have to log into my Twitter account. I, I, I prefer being off. But anyway, getting into the nitty-gritty of things here. As we kind of mentioned in our Big East preview, Xavier has a core four. It starts with Najee Marshall, and he's a pretty damn good player. 16.2 points per game right now. He's got about six rebounds a game, three assists. He's a do-it-all type of guy for, for Xavier. Then you also got Paul Scruggs. He's a guard, 14.8 points. Uh, Tyreek Jones, big boy inside. He's got averaging a double-double on the year with just about over 13 points and 10 rebounds even right now. And then Quinton Gooden, another guard with 8.1 points and then uh, four assists per game leading the team. If you can stop some combination of those four, you'll be looking good. But those four, it's, it's going to go all go through them. Now, obviously, they have a few few complimentary pieces with Jason Carter and Zach Fremantle off the bench. But as of right now, it's it's those four guys, and they've been leading the way since. If you look at their game logs right now, every, they the combination of those four players has led the team in scoring with the exception of Jason Carter. Uh, he led the team in scoring in one game, and that was against Towson. So if you're – and Tyreek Jones has pretty much led the team in rebounding every single game with the exception of I believe it's only two games so far so you're gonna have to stop some combination of them I don't know if you're gonna just let Tyreek Jones get his rebounds 
or you're going to let Paul Scruggs, you know, light you up or whatever, and then just stop the other two. It's going to be an interesting way to see how the defense handles it. But because uh, I know with Kansas, it was pretty much just Dotson and Azubuki. And if you stopped one of those two, you're feeling pretty good. But with these four, they're going to attack you four different ways. And it'll be interesting to see how Jay Wright and his staff is going to draw up a defensive plan, especially after that superb performance against Kansas. I know it's nice to celebrate this win for this whole week during the holidays but I kind of wanted to see them get back to action a lot sooner just because I'm riding that buzz. I'm still riding that buzz. would love to see them against Xavier because please inject that hard-nosed defensive effort into my veins. I loved every second of it. It was near perfect, I felt, just between the physicality, the effort, the ball denials, everyone staying glued to their man, shadowing their assignment. I will. I am very curious to see how it will be against Xavier. Because this is a team that likes to attack the inside. They got the big personnel down low. But they also have the guys that can finish inside, attack the basket. So I think we might see more of the same. But, you know, there's gonna, we're going to have to see a lot of ball denials, a lot of one-on-ones, staying in front of your man, locking him up. They don't shoot threes very well. And I feel like this is something that has hurt Xavier last year, especially too, from becoming a truly dangerous team. They've done well so far. They've been able to compensate with tough defense, great rebounding, great play inside. But the three-point shooting, if they had someone who could just go over the top, oh, this team would be so dangerous, so dangerous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they really would be. It's almost as if like J.P. McCura leaving uh, all their three-point shooting left with them. But uh, And blew yeah. it. And blew it. Can't forget him. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I completely – wow. I don't know. I just view Mikura as a better three-point option. That's just absolutely horrific analysis on my part. But <laughs> uh, I guess he's just in my head, and I guess that was the whole point of him to begin with. But Yeah, yeah because uh, but, whenever he makes a three, it feels like he made ten threes just because he has <laughs> such a punchable face. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. And the way he acted made it feel like every three was uh, to, win a, to win a game. So, <laughs> just yeah, it just rubbed me the wrong way. But – you're right. Uh, but yes, to your point, they don't shoot three as well. And I was going to mention that before 30.2% to be exact. That's, that's really bad. And if Villanova produces a similar defensive effort, they might be under 30% for the year. And that's just awful. And also they're also shooting free throws pretty poorly too. 67.6% from the line. So maybe if this becomes a fouling match, it might not be the worst option. Tyreek Jones and Quentin Gooden are around 60%. Najee Marshall's a tad under 70. The rest of the team's okay. But I feel like with those three, three of your core four being not the best free throw shooters, it certainly brings down the percentage there, especially with the term, in terms of volume and all that. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting game. Like, just because they're unranked doesn't mean they're not good. They were ranked for a very long time. And if it wasn't for, like you said, a few bad bounces, they would probably still be ranked and might be right on Butler's tails in terms of, uh, in terms of ranking. But they're they're right there with the best of them and i was saying xavier was going to finish second in the big east i think in our big east preview show either second or third something along those lines there with seton hall this is no pushover game i am happy though it is at villanova and we all know what happens when xavier comes to villanova it's always a bloodbath in favor of villanova and i also think a good thing for villanova is the fact that this is a long layoff after the kansas game because i feel like if it wasn't, we wouldn't have a good vibe coming off a big win against Kansas and then going immediately into, like, Xavier. If, like, let's just say Christmas wasn't Wednesday. Like, if this game was on a win- this Wednesday, I'd feel horrible about it because I just feel like they wouldn't be ready for it. I feel like they'd be riding too much on the high of beating Kansas and they'd get blitzed in this game. But I think the fact that this, there's a little bit of a long layoff, they'll be able to regroup, prepare, game plan for it, and I think they'll be right back at it with a good defensive effort and a good offensive showing, and I think uh, we'll get this – status quo when it comes to Villanova Xavier at Nova and I think Villanova wins pretty handily. Nova should win and the big key to this one will definitely be its defense and rebounding. This is a team that grabs offensive rebounds at a very high rate, top 25 percentile in all of college basketball right now. They have the big men to do it. They got some hungry guys on the glass, Jeremiah Robinson, Earl, Jermaine Samuel, Sadiq Bay. Those guys are going to have to make sure they box out and clean up the glass there. Don't let the Musketeers create those second chance opportunities, those second looks at the basket. But then also, considering how good Xavier's defense is, they've been pretty much close to lockdown, and they've been very competitive in the two games they've lost. It's not like, you know, they're going to go away. They're going to be tough. They're going to be physical. They're going to be hungry for a win. They're starting off Big E's play. 
But, yeah, I like that it's at home because, like you said, Chris, the odds are always in Villanova's favor when Xavier comes to town. I do want to see the Wildcats play tough on D again. want to see them continue that effort, to show that effort, to show that effectiveness on that end of the floor and just lock them down because the offense might not be there, but as they saw against Kansas, you know, it's, it's one thing to have that quote unquote good moral effort, you know, moral victories, this and that, but to get that win, to earn the actual dub, the tangible proof that they can win a game on defense, win a game with effort. And then also, you know, it helps making some key shots, but the defense was really the facet of the game that took the cake in that Saturday game. And they might need a similar effort against Xavier as well. For sure. So you you think Villanova ends up winning? Do you think it's highly contested? Do you think they pull away late? What, how, how are you feeling about this overall? I think they pull away late. I, I see it being pretty close for a little bit until Nova probably goes on a run and then seals it by just over double digits. Not too crazy. All right. I'm feeling the same way too. I think it's a highly contested game till late. I think maybe with around six, seven minutes, Villanova gets hot. They pull away and then hope maybe like eight to 12 point victory around there. All right. And there you have it. Once again, we won't be here on Thursday. So we're previewing this game now. If you can't make it to the pavilion, it'll be on next Monday night, December 30th at 6 30 PM Eastern time. It'll be on Fox sports one. I will be tuning in. Won't be able to make it there. I still had to plan my pilgrimage back to the pavilion, but I enjoyed my first trip back to the Wells Fargo Center since since senior year, Chris. It was it was pretty enjoyable. It was a good way to come back. That was your first time win. back? That yeah, was it was my first, first time back. Yeah, it was my first time back. If you think about it, I've only gone to like all the New York games. Yeah, that's true. I, yeah. I thought you would have gone to one Wells Fargo. I guess you yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, welcome back. <laughs> no, it was it was a great way to be welcomed back. I enjoyed it. Got to see some old friends. Got to see a great game. Got to see a great win. No complaints. No complaints. It was my first game since uh, 2016 when Nova beat Georgetown. Final home nice. game. Wow. Good for you. That's a uh, – I've I been mean, back three times. I think, the, the, Virginia, yeah, the Virginia game sounds like a great game also. That could have been great to be back. I think I was away yeah. that weekend. I remember being bummed. <laughs> It was that was good, but this you picked one hell of a game to go to. If you had to pick, it was well worth the wait. I would say for sure. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I was glad I, I went to that and not like USF <laughs> or Dollar Dog Night. <laughs> yeah, you you picked the right one. I think I've been back three times, so I got or not USF one. Ohio Ohio not USF. What am I saying? Yeah, it's okay. Same thing. They're both, <laughs> they're both green and they're both bad. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I've been back for Virginia. I know I went to Providence that same year, but it was a little, I think it was a couple of weeks before. And then I also went to, who the heck did they play in 17-18 when I went? I forget. But I also went to a game for the 17-18 year. But I forgot who they played. So, oh, no, it was Marquette, and they went them. So. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you were at that one. So, been back there a couple times, a few times, but we both got to get back to the pavilion somehow, some way, if God willing, we're able to get back there. And this would have been a good game for it. but. Alas, probably not going to happen. Yeah, the Monday night's hard. The Monday night's hard. Yeah, it is. It really is. Before we get into questions, Chris, I do want to dive into a couple of different things that was brought to my attention. First off, mm-hmm. coach of the decade. I forgot who. I don't even care who did it anymore because it's not credible. I forgot who did it. I don't know. I don't remember from <laughs> CBS. I don't remember who it was. But they said John Calipari was coach of the decade. Sound off. That's just wrong. That's just I. I really don't have anything else to say. That's just wrong. How is he the coach of the decade? What did he do? What he won a national championship. Uh, yeah, I guess. And and you could say like, oh, he had all these like NBA talent, and one. Yeah, just one. Just one. Just one. He had how many Final Fours? He had 12, 15. And then did that Brandon Knight team make the Final Four? I don't know if they did. I think they did. But either way, yeah, you don't deserve it over a guy who was taking four-star recruits, three-star recruits with the occasional five-star recruit and turning them into All-Americans and winning national titles and running rampant through with the Big East and with regularity. It's just That's just completely wrong. If you, even if you, like, if they said Coach K, maybe – Maybe you can make an argument. Yeah. Uh, Calipari just – no, that's, that's just flat out wrong. 
Coach K, Jay Wright, who else could potentially be in that conversation? Roy Williams, maybe? Maybe. 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 Like, if you're trying to make a Mount Rushmore for the decade, I guess definitely Coach K and Jay. And I I guess Jay Jay definitely is number one. But we're we're talking about, like, yeah, if we're putting coaches before Calipari, I would would put those guys. Definitely Coach K. Oh, ESPN will give you 50 before Jay Wright, I'll tell you that. (laughs) <laughs> oh, according to Dickie V, I think I think Dickie V had Coach K over Jay. Well, I don't know. He he did like a little article. Are you shocked? <laughs> Are you no, shocked? No, no, I'm not. Um, but he did an article on like top games, players, coaches, and like he listed them. But I don't know if he listed them in the order he thought it would be in, or if he just randomly put them there. Well, not oh, him, just like a just like an assortment of you know correct. top games, like unranked. Correct. Yeah. So. The one, so two gripes on the Villanova side. The one for the best coach was uh, was Coach K and then Jay, in that order. And then best game was Auburn, whoever Virginia last year, and then Villanova UNC. So I mean, wow, uh, it's wow. just yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no Villanova players on uh, for players of the decade, but Zion Williamson was listed first. God, for, God forbid, uh, anyone else <laughs> up there. And then God forbid you forgot about him. Yeah, yeah, just a constant reminder. And God, what was the other one I had a problem with? And but probably didn't irk me that all that much. Oh, team of the decade. Uh, they put. I think he put 2017 UNC over 2018 Villanova. But why? Know. There's so there's so many better options. <laughs> I I don't know, man. Dude, it's just. Did he really pick that squad? He picked that squad. Yeah. He picked the 2017 UNC team over the 18 Philadelphia team. I, actually, I don't. But again, again, it was just the way it was listed. I'm not sure if that was. What oh, you say? Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. I, I, so I'm just, you know, I, the way it was set it was, up. It was presented. Villanova just happened to be at the bottom. Hopefully, it was alphabetical order. That's the uh, only. That's the only so. excuse. I hope so. I think he put. I think he also put the 14-15 Kentucky team above them, and they didn't win anything. So John Calipari over Jay Wright for coach of the decade. Is this a bigger snub than Jalen Brunson not getting all decade nods, according to Dan O'Neill? Um, it's on par with it. But I will say that whoever did this probably did it to get their name out there because it would just circulate around the Villanova networks. And then, therefore, you get the clicks and the popularity for it. But we're not even mentioning who it is, so uh, so much for that. Yeah, and yeah. Dan don't don't make him famous. Don't want to make him famous. No, exactly. And it is it, it is a major publication. I just found it. Okay, we don't have to mention it. We won't. Unless we won't mention it. We're not going <laughs> to. We're not going <laughs> to give him the satisfaction. No. And the second thing I wanted to address before we hit questions is I just wanted to give a huge shout out to Villanova women's basketball Maddie Segrist. Huge, huge game by the redshirt freshman. Was injured last year. Ever since she's gotten back in action this year, she's been lighting up the scoreboards. No different this past weekend. Against LaSalle, she dropped 41 points, was 13 of 19 on the floor, 6 of 10 from deep, broke Shelly Pennefather's 36-year-old record for the most by a Villanova freshman. Hopefully everyone got to see that cool ESPN feature that they did on Pennefather, but if anyone knows or is familiar, you would have known that she was at that time, like the GOAT in women's basketball. So this is a pretty, pretty huge record for Maddie Segrist. And also, it looks like the redshirt year is also spilling over to the women's side of the program, which is pretty nice too. Yeah, for sure. And I, I guess we can start calling her a big game Maddie now. Does it, Mad- does it have the same effect? Maddie Buckets. Maddie Buckets. All right, I, I like that. That's much better. That's much better. We'll, we'll go with that. We'll go with Maddie Buckets. Mm-hmm. And I did also did see that ESPN piece floating around. I, be- I believe I read it. When did that come out? Like a month ago? I feel like it came out. Yeah, it was. A, yeah, it was, no, it was a little more than that. It, it might have been over the summer. Yeah, there was like a, a long form article which I read, and then there was also a video feature. Pretty cool story. Pretty yeah, crazy. It, it was very uh-huh. interesting. For sure. But yeah, I mean, you know, you you break that kind of record from that caliber of a player, who you can only wait and see how great or how big of a star she'll become. In, over these next couple of years. So far, so good for Maddie Segrist. Huge, huge game, huge performance. Big shout-outs to her. 
that time of the day where we stop what we're doing, pop open the mailbag and answer the questions that you, the listeners, have for us. As always, you can tweet us at SONNPod. Leave us a question. Ask us anything. It could be basketball-related, life-related, anything you want to know and you want, for some reason, our advice on, please ask away. The first question is from Brendan Riley. Shout-out to Brendan, by the way. Got to see him at the game. He was pretty amped. I was pretty amped. We also saw Ryan Bowman. It was a great VU Hoops reunion. It was the first time they met each other, too, which is uh, kind of hilarious because we spent all this time talking to each other on Twitter, on podcasts, on VU Hoops, on Slack, and not everybody gets to meet everybody in person. So that was that was a nice little moment. But, Chris, he wants to know this question that you brought up a little bit or that you alluded to during the show. Having a week and a half off before Xavier, is it great because it allows the young team to calm down and not overlook the opponent, or terrible because you lose the momentum off such a big win? Great minds think alike. Chris? Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, as I said before, I agree with the first half of that question. I believe it's good because you, you get to calm down. You're not going to overlook the next opponent, and I, I just – wouldn't feel great about that because it's not like if it was maybe I don't know well DePaul's good this year I guess but like let's just say if it was like DePaul teams of the past like maybe like I'd be like all right let's just get back at it and get the game over with but I I think with Xavier being really good and I I wouldn't want to just go right into it from the Kansas game and I am a believer in momentum but I think that the fact that this team is so young it just they just need to take a step back look at the tape go over what they did right, go over what they did wrong, and just game plan and get ready for it. Because I think with the younger the team, the better it is for them to game plan than it is to just, you know, just trot out there and let talent take over kind of like the teams of the past have. Not that this team doesn't have any talent. I'm not saying that whatsoever. I'm just saying that with the fact that they are so young, that it's I think it's better for them to just – the more time, the better. The more prep, the better. And that's kind of why I'm leaning toward that. Yeah, you got to let the young kids enjoy their Christmas. Take a few days off for that. Can't oversaturate them. Although I would have loved a game ASAP because I, at this point, I am just want to feed my appetite for more Villanova basketball. But, yeah, I think the time off, the little stretch, this is actually one that I can vouch for. It's been kind of lame because these games have been so spaced out. But I think there's a lot of excitement here to that will hold me over until next Monday. I'll say that. For sure. So you're saying it's better that they – you're kind of agreeing with me on that in that sense then? Yeah. Are you, or would, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, enjoy, enjoy the holidays, you know, get, get some practice out there, digest film, look at what went wrong, what could be better, praise what went better and how they can continue it. Then also study Xavier. Don't want to overlook this team. We already did that one time at the Cintas Center, at least. Not, not at home, but it no, has no. happened. And Brendan had another question Should Chris Lane and myself start their own competing podcast? Since they're clearly fan favorites and the driving force for the show, asking for a friend. And Chris Lane followed up and said, and it shall be called Two Idiots Discover a Microphone. Mike Town said, you need to add Catherine Ryan on this too, in my honest opinion. And then Catherine Ryan chirped in and said, so, three idiots. And then Mike, <laughs> Mike Jacobs added one more thing and said, well, I mean, you'd really be the idiots if there were three of you and you called it Two Idiots. So, Chris... Yeah. Should they start their own competing podcast? I say yes. The, yeah. the SB Nation mothership is asking me, do we have a show that can fill in the other slots for this network? Tuesday and Thursdays are taken, but hey, you know, we got Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Because yeah, we are, the, yeah, it's no longer just the State of the Nova Nation anymore. It's the View Hoops podcast network. So we can add and we can have more and the more the merrier. For sure. Should they start their own podcast? Yeah, sure. Why not? Hey, look, everyone, it's, it's great. I love it. Uh, I love their analysis. I'm all for it. You know, I love them on. I, I also love having them on too. So it's a good time. I will they're say gonna, though, they're, they're, if, they, if they do call it Two Idiots Discover a Microphone, I will probably tune in more, more, than, more than ever, just on the name alone. That's a great name. It'll look good. I'll tell the SV Nation people that. Yeah, so we got Salem Nova Nation and Two Idiots Discover a Microphone. <laughs> they're going to be like, oh, what's the context of that? What else? It's in the title. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. No, but yeah, no, honestly, yeah, we do appreciate having them on when they do pop in, when they do stop by. Catherine Ryan also as well. Ryan Bowman sometimes, Matt Gregory, former View Hoops alum, also sometimes when he, he made a couple appearances. Um, but yeah, I mean, why not, right? As long as I don't have to do post-production, I swear. Please, right. <laughs> please. <laughs> <laughs> I already, already, already spent hours on this post. I don't need more. <laughs> right. This question is from John Kay. 
Why isn't Cosby Roundtree playing? Is he hurt? I thought he was doing well at the end of last year. This is something we, we've gotten this a few times, and yeah. we can only rehash what we've said in that we're not too sure. But on top of that, I don't. while I don't think he's hurt, it's very possible we're not going to rule that out just because nothing official has been said. It's just whose minutes do you take away? I personally didn't think he was as bad as pundits in our comment section made him out to be at the end of last season or midway through last year. I would have obviously liked to see more minutes for him, but it just looks like he's kind of the odd man out right now, and that's just the way it is. Yeah, I mean, we've, yeah, like you said, we've kind of talked about this topic quite a bit, especially in the, earlier in the season, and we kind of saw his minutes dwindling and dwindling and dwindling, and it just comes down to a numbers game, and also his performance on the court just hasn't been up to par. And whether that is an injury or whether he's just regressed to this point is uh, to be determined. It may be a little bit of both. Maybe it's one way or the other, but he just hasn't performed when he's out there when he was getting the minutes at the beginning of the year. So I, I think it's just the way it goes. Who are you going to take away? Whose minutes are you going to take away at this point? So it's just a shame he's the odd man out because, yes, he was doing well towards the end of the year, and he had that stretch uh, in the middle of the year as well. So, But it's just not the way it's meant to be, I guess, for him. Yeah, we're just going to have to wait and see. We're going to have to wait and see if he can work his way back into the rotation at some point. Next up, we got a series of questions from Mike J. He went he went in. He went in with his Twitter fingers. First one is, when are you going to have Chris Lane, Brendan Riley, and Catherine Ryan on at the same time? So five people on the <laughs> Stanley Nova Nation. I will say we do now have the technology to support this. So <laughs> we do. Last year, <laughs> last year we did not. It was not possible. It was not possible. It was not in the budget. This year, it is definitely in the budget and definitely possible. I'd love a Villanova VU Hoops roundtable thing. That'd be great. That'd be actually real cool. Yeah, we'd have to try it for something, maybe like a big game or like the Big East tournament or like NCAAs, postseason stuff. Selection Selection Sunday. Sunday. Yeah, we pull out our brackets. Yeah. Pull out our brackets. All five of us at Selection Sunday at the uh, the Villanova room. That'd be – Connolly. That'd be great. Doing a live show. We'll get – Dale Reynolds or Henry Lowe's that people see that this is a legitimate establishment. <laughs> They're not just like, who are these five washed up Villanovans sitting uh-huh. here on the stage of the Connolly Center? <laughs> hey, I'm all for that, man. That'd be fun. That'd be fun. Yeah, we do have the technology now, so it can do. be done. We do. can be done. But will it? Well, we'll see. We'll see. We're going to have to find a day that works for everybody, which that might be the biggest hard. obstacle. <laughs> yeah, that might be the biggest <laughs> obstacle, for being honest. Yeah. No, before it was a technological barrier, not so much anymore. And Chris, you yes, you alluded to this earlier. You asked me what I thought about the new retro throwbacks that were debuted against Kansas. I did. And now Mike J wants us to rank them from worst to second best because okay. the 1985 throwbacks are number one, obviously. And that's that's a no brainer. That's like a that's mm-hmm. a first ballot Hall of Fame jersey. If yep. I'm being honest, that's like no undisputed. If we're being honest, they should be the full-time jerseys, but that's just me. Or Even though they at least have them for sale, I'll tell you that. You oh, God. There. I mean, we can complain about that till the cows come home. That'll never happen. <laughs> <But>. <laughs> so here are the alternate Villanova jerseys that we're going to be ranking. We have the Grays, the Navy with a block V. Now, I'm assuming that these are the ones that I did not like from our freshman year, yeah. 2012-2013 season. Uh-huh. Then we got the light blues, the baby blues, the powder blues, whatever you want to call them, that were debuted this year. And then the blue and yellow, which we most recently saw on Saturday against Kansas. Chris, we're going to give it to you first. How would you rank these alternate Villanova jerseys from worst to second best? Worst to best? Okay, the grays are the worst by far, uh, just because of the Georgetown likeness. And it just there's just no Villanova color scheme that makes sense with that. It just it was an ugly looking jersey, and I know you had one. I don't know why you had one, but you had one. And, Yo, it was uh, a gift, I, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it was a, it was a Ryan Archie Diakono one too, which is you, you know I wouldn't have bought that myself. <laughs> right, I, I knew you know, and now thinking back to that, yeah, yeah, I I never made that connection, but <laughs> you're right. Um, but those are by far the worst. But not too far behind is a uh, is that is those blue jerseys with the block V. Those were just weird, but I get it because it was like an experiment thing and it's like Nike. I think that was like, I think Nike did that for a bunch of teams that year or whoever the jersey manufacturer was. They did it for a bunch of teams that year. 
And it wasn't be- the best, but at least it made sense because it was blue, and that's in the Villanova color scheme. Then you, you move up a little bit to the, uh, the powder blues, which I did admit on this show a couple, couple weeks ago or last week, whenever the heck it was, that I'm not a, the biggest fan of them. Uh, they're, they're okay. They're not great, but they're okay. And my main gripe with them is the fact that the Villanova lettering is dark blue and it should just be the white. But then we got into the whole UNC looking thing and whatever. But then, as I just mentioned earlier, this episode, the new throwbacks, I guess, those are by foot with the gold. Those are great. I love them. They, it's just the perfect, not a perfect jersey, but it's, it's damn near close to it. I like it a lot. I was thinking about this and I was like, huh. Should I defend my gray jersey, which I haven't discarded yet? Because, <laughs> you know, I was not – I did not like those navy with a block V. I thought they looked so cheap. I thought they looked tacky. Didn't think it was that great. Thought it could have been a lot better, especially Nike. You couldn't come up, you couldn't come up with anything more creative. Like, you literally just stuck the logo, put a smaller number on the bottom, and then just number on the back. Ugh, not, not a fan. Not a fan of those jerseys. But I'm also not the biggest fan of the grays. And those two would probably be in my negative, but I will have to rank them. So, uh, I'm going to say the grays are the worst. Depending on my mood, you could say, like, literally ticks. They're, like, ticks apart from each other. The navy with a block V, that's, like, almost just as bad, in my opinion. And then you start moving up the scale back to the positive end of the spectrum. And then you have the blue and yellow, which I wasn't too crazy for, but I didn't hate it either. But like I said, because they won, they could wear it however they could wear it however many times they want. They can wear it wherever they want. They can wear it as much. It it was it's a, it's an okay jersey. I wasn't too crazy about it, but you already know how I feel about the light blue. Biggest fan. Huge fan of that one. That's mm-hmm. a great alternative jersey. I know you hate it, but no, I like the baby blues. I don't hate it. I just I don't love it. I, I just think it's just kind of eh. And it doesn't look – it just it looks weird. It's it took an adjustment period. That's all. Maybe if they wear them a few more times. And I saw Chris Lane says, I'm going to blow this ranking. Well, you know, there it is. And you can keep tweeting at me about how bad my picks are. Well, okay. well that's because that's cause we, we all disagree on how you feel about the, the blues, the light blues. I, I know. I know. But at least I'm not going outrageous and saying the grays are the best or something. It's opposite day. <laughs> oh, man. Last question from Mike J. What are you having for Christmas dinner? These, this is a great question. I don't even know, to be honest. I'm, I'm having a giant potluck type deal with the family tonight, Christmas Eve, over at my aunt's. Uh, it's going to be a good time. It's going to be a lot of food, a lot of drink, a lot of adult beverages, desserts. I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to chilling real hard for the next couple of days. Yeah, I'm in the same boat as you. I don't know what we have for Christmas. It usually involves a ham of some sort, but definitely usually, ham. Ham is like a yeah, like that's a minimum. Yeah, yeah. But as an Italian, Christmas Day dinner really isn't as big as Christmas Eve dinner with the seven fishes and all that. But we don't really count. We just kind of just throw a bunch of seafood on the table, and if it amounts to seven, then good. But uh, but yeah, that's what we usually do. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Looking oh, forward yeah. to it. Days off too. It's the best part. Oh, don't get that. now. Now we're just now we're just getting a little too out of control here. Now we're getting into explicit content. <laughs> well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for listening to the State of the Nova Nation. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the show. Look up View Hoops or look up State of the Nova Nation. You can be you should be able to find it on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Megaphone, Stitcher, all these options. So many options. Please check back at View Hoops dot com check back check golfing we always got stuff pumping and going and moving please chime in on our ever expansive growing thread of a comment section from that kansas win we're hitting record numbers right now like geez i haven't seen this many comments on a non like postseason game in my life uh, over 300 and very much still counting and it's not even march yet great love it love it Follow the site on social media. You can do so at View Hoops. That's good for Twitter and Instagram. Please follow me, Eugene Repay, at eRepay5. And Chris, what are we plugging today? Uh, nothing. Just wanted to wish everybody a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year if we uh, don't get on 
before then and happy Hanukkah as well. If we don't, I know we're in the middle of that now, if uh, you celebrate that. So happy holidays, everyone enjoy it. It's the best time of the year and you got to celebrate it with a, uh, a kick-ass win over Kansas as a Ryan fan and said, uh, Merry Christmas from Nation. So uh, enjoy the holidays. Oh man, poor planning on my part. I just realized you had a point there. The next show would be on New Year's Eve. I didn't think about that. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, hey, look, oh. I, if uh, we'll see You're, if we'll get on the air for that, but probably not. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Like TBA. TBA. I only thought about Thursday. I was like, oh yeah, you know, after yeah. Christmas, trying to relax, you know. But now it's mm. like, huh? That's on New huh. Year's Eve. Didn't, yeah, didn't the way uh, the calendar worked out didn't do uh, any favors for State of the Nova Nation, but hey, just enjoy it. Yeah. So even better reason that we did the Xavier preview. Exactly. But everyone enjoy your holidays, enjoy your Christmas, enjoy your Hanukkah. If you celebrate New Year's, definitely enjoy. Maybe the next time we see you will be in 2020. Maybe not. Stay tuned and enjoy the rest of your day, the rest of your week, and the rest of your holidays.